Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hey, hi everyone. How are you? I am, my eyes are swollen because it's raining outside. (laughs) I haven't been outside. Allergies are absolutely wild. My body responds to any and all change of weather and winter rain is like truly the worst. Like I wake up with swollen eyes. It sucks, but such is life. You know, I'm recording early in the day so I can take a nap and not feel like crap the rest of the day. But guess what? It is time for Operation Santa. Can you believe it? It is that time of year again. Operation Santa is in full swing. If you do not know about Operation Santa, first of all, you should follow me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod because I've been posting about it a lot over there. But if you are a new Feathers listener, this is my fourth year. I'm pretty sure. Yes, it's my fourth year doing Operation Santa. Uh, The USPS, the post office, if you will, does this event every year where they collect all the letters written to Santa and they make them so that you can adopt them online. Um, They come with like a little QR code. So you really only know the names and like the state that the person is in because you can filter by state, which the first year I did not do and had families in like California and Texas and all over. But now I filter to Pennsylvania just to keep shipping costs down because They do charge full amount for shipping, which means a lot of money has to get put aside for shipping, but it's okay. It's all part of the game, right? But you get these letters that the kids write. Oftentimes, the parents write them for the kids because the kids are often very little. Uh, Sometimes you can definitely tell the kids wrote them. They're really cute and funny. And of course, they're sometimes sad. And this year, I have adopted five letters. I definitely didn't mean to adopt five letters, but... (laughs) I was really planning on doing four, but I logged on like the minute that it became open because in the last couple of years, it's becoming very competitive just because it's gotten like a lot of press, which is great, right? That's a good problem to have. The thing with Operation Santa, and this upsets people, but Operation Santa is not vetted in that like anybody who writes a letter correctly, so like with the correct information on it to the correct place, gets put in the system. So it is possible that there are kids that are not in need that could get letters, um, but it's fairly obvious when you're looking through the letters, like which families are writing this because they are in need, right? Like it's kind of hard to explain, but you'll see when you look at if you go to feathers underscore pod on Instagram and you look at the letters that I've selected I mean, oftentimes it's the parents that write it. Like I said, they're really detailed on the kids' clothing sizes and shoe sizes and saying they need things like diapers or it. you can, what I'm saying is you can tell. So I usually like to get on the website like as soon as the letters are adoptable. And this year (laughs) it was bugging. So I thought I wasn't adopting any letters because it just like kept giving me an error message. I was like, oh, that's so fucking annoying. But whatever, like I'll get some. If not, we'll re-strategize and figure out another way to raise like to do donations this year. I go into like the my letters section and I had adopted 15 fucking letters. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, thankfully you can like cancel uh, your adoption and it re-releases them. And like I said, these people all definitely got adopted. The letters are going so, so fast this year. And of course, though, at first the website was bugging. And so the area that 
where you can cancel letters, a box wasn't actually coming up, but I figured out if you like held your mouse over the general area, it would let you click. <laughs> but I was, of course, like so upset having to go through the letters and pick which ones I wanted and which ones I didn't. And by the end, like I just could not cut another one. Like I, I could not emotionally cut one more. So we have five families this year. Um, We have a family of four siblings, another family, a kid wrote about him and his dad. He's 14 and he wrote like, can you send something for my dad? Because my dad is all alone. So like, so sad. Uh, A brother that's eight years old and a a sister that's 16. That's another family. Um, One where the girl writes it and writes that she wants, um, stuff for her little siblings. And it's like my favorite thing. (laughs) I am 12 years old. I have been great this year. I'm even writing for my little sister and brother. They were okay. (laughs) And then another family with a few kids. um, And one of them, her name is Ellie, has like the funniest letter. The the hyper-specific requests that she has have made me laugh so hard. And I actually, her hyper-specific requests are very understandable to me and I've been able to get a few of them and I feel so great when I like track down exactly what they want. I do love shopping so this is really up my alley but yes I've adopted these five families. The way it works is that you can Venmo, Cash App, PayPal me. I'll put all that information in the description box and all of the money that I raise goes to buying presents, supplies, and shipping them. Um, I know you may be asking like well, why are we giving the money directly to you? And it's just to make it easier for everyone because it is a lot of work (laughs) to do this. You have to buy the presents, wrap the presents, mail the presents. It's not just, you know, like donating money somewhere. So for a lot of people, it's easier for them to just donate the money to me. Also, the collective donations allow us to help a lot more people. So I consider myself very trustworthy with this money. As I said, this is my fourth year. Every year I do like a full accounting and kind of show, not kind of, but I do show where all the money went. I keep really actually very detailed like notes and receipts of everything. I have a whole uh, like Microsoft Excel spreadsheet going on in which every cent is tracked. Um, I always put aside like a decent amount for shipping. And then anything that's left over in the end gets donated to a different cause. So obviously, I'm not taking any of this money. Um, if you've been following me for a while, you're, you'll know that I have often used my platform to raise money for different causes. You know, for abortion centers this year, we raised $8,500, I think it was. Last year for Operation Santa, we raised $5,000. We're at a little over $3,000 this year. I would love to hit like 3500 I think that puts us in a really comfortable place. Um, I've so, sar- so far, I've spent $1,500. And you're probably like, wow, that's a lot of money. And it is because the goal of Operation Santa is to get people nice things. This is not like me going to Walmart and buying the cheapest shit or five below. Although I do buy some cheap shit because kids like plastic shit. Like if my nieces have taught me anything is that they love plastic crap. Like <laughs> kids love plastic crap. But the goal of Operation Santa is for me, at least, I like to give people what they want, not just what they need. And I like to be able to spend a decent amount of money doing it. Like one of the girls asked, asked for a magic mixie. Those things are 
on sale $60, which by the way, they look really cool. And I was like, should I buy one for myself? And then no, I did not buy one for myself. I don't need one for myself. But they're super expensive. But she asked for it. And we have the funds to do it. Uh, Some of the kids asked for like one of the families, all the kids wanted Crocs this year. So they all got Crocs name brand like that's what they want. And the more money we raise, the more we're able to buy them the stuff that they may not be able to get through other like charity type of organizations. And I think that's the best thing about Operation Santa. One of the girls said she like, she's 16. I'm, I did buy her a jacket because uh, she asked for a winter coat. So from Old Navy, I bought her like a nice puffer coat. But she's 16. I don't know what kind of clothes she likes. She said she likes Shein and Fashion Nova. So she got a $100 gift card to Fashion Nova and a $50 gift card to Shein. So she can buy her own stuff. Um, I think I'm going to throw in an Ulta gift card for her too, probably just depending on how it shakes out. And I also like to be able to include gift cards for families. I was looking through last year's spreadsheet and I realized for one of the families, I was able to send the mom a thousand dollars in gift cards. I do American like visa gift cards. Um, and yeah, I was able to send a lot of money in gift cards. Usually I send like between 200 and 400 to the, like the family, um, it's not always parents. So oftentimes in the letters, they will specifically mention their parents. So I know to address it to a parent, like the family that has the 16-year-old daughter who likes Fashion Nova, they it talks about their mom in the letter. So I'm going to, and her mom having health problems. So I'm going to like address something to her mom. Uh, I have had a couple people ask what, because they're doing it as well. And what I write if they don't mention a parent. And so usually I'll just put like adult <laughs> on the cover of it. You know, it's for the adult in their home. And oh, the other thing is that this is totally anonymous. Uh, they don't know who it comes from. I don't put my name on it. I don't put any of our names on it. And yeah, last year I did get a thank you from one of the families because I include gift receipts with everything. And on Amazon, their like gift receipt thing allows you, I think, guess somehow to like send an email to account holder. So I did get a thank you, but I don't even know if she saw my account name. I don't know. I I also think it's important to include gift receipts for everything because people can return shit if they don't want it. I saw a TikTok last year of somebody like crossing out stuff on the tag of stuff they donated so the people wouldn't be able to return it for cash. And it's like... (sighs) That's a, that is not what giving is. You give without conditions. And if that means shit gets returned, shit gets returned. I'm also from a family of returners. And like every Christmas gift and Hanukkah gift that's ever been given comes with the receipt so that you can return it. <laughs> but yes, I love Operation Santa. I love that we've already raised $3,000. I'm trying to stay really on top of the wrapping this year. Gifts have started arriving and I started wrapping them last night. Uh, I have like five big boxes in which the gifts go into for each family. It's a whole thing. And I'm so grateful to be able to participate in it. And really, I'm only able to do this thanks to everybody else's support. I, of course, donate my own money in it too. But like, how far can $100 get? You know, I mean, it can get far, whatever. But we can get a lot farther with three to $5,000. <laughs> we can help a lot more people together and... Yeah, I love being able to do it. It all started when I saw somebody post about it four years ago. And I found a letter of a girl wanting a tablet, I think. It was basically she was asking for maybe like $200 worth of stuff. 
And I would like post it on Twitter. It's like, hey, does anybody want to like go in with me on this? I can do 50 or $100. I don't remember how much I offered. This was pre-Patreon, so probably $50. Um, I was like, if anybody else wants to go in with me on this, and then we ended up raising way more than that. So I was able to dot more letters in each year. It's just gotten bigger. And we, like I said, we raised $5,000 last year. I don't know where that money, like, <laughs> I don't know how I collected that much money. I don't know if we'll get there this year, but we are already at such a high amount that we can help so many people that I just, I'm so grateful to everybody who helps out. So yes, all of the information will be in the description box below. If you have questions about doing Operation Santa yourself, because I definitely encourage anybody who listens, if they want to adopt letters, I've heard letters are hard to get this year. But if you have questions about like gifts and things for charity over the holidays, feel free to shoot me a message. I could probably answer. So yes, Operation Santa, if you're able to participate, I'd love to have you. Okay, let's shift into what this podcast is about. The show Feathers in My Hair about Teen Mom. (laughs) I, first of all, nothing really happened in Teen Mom Land. Nothing's really happening in Teen Mom Land because... Teen Mom is a dying show and it's a dying franchise. And even like I'll go on the Teen Mom Reddit, which I still check very regularly, but there'll be like five posts a day where there used to be 25 posts a day. It's way, way, way slowed down. It's all about the same things. 90% of the posts are about Janelle, even though everybody hates Janelle and nobody wants to talk about Janelle and nobody cares about Janelle. Every single post is about Janelle. It's really, I have never quite understood um, people who snark that are unable to recognize that they care about the figure that they're snarking on and that when they are posting on Reddit saying nobody cares about you, they are in fact caring about them. It doesn't mean that they like the person, but being an anti-fan and a fan are just two sides of the same coin. <laughs> You're still giving that person attention. I've seen this happen a lot in like snarking areas on many different forums against many different subjects where people insist that them liking this figure doesn't give them any relevancy, doesn't give them any attention. And it's like, I mean, it does. It fully does. It's okay. It's just what it is, but it does. Um, And, you know, posting every single thing that Janelle posts on TikTok helps her stay relevant. It's just the truth. And I'm not critiquing anybody for posting that shit because I get it. I make a podcast about these people. But I do find it ironic when people act above talking about these people, but they talk about these people. Uh, so yes, Teen Mom is kind of dying. Still no news on if Kale had a baby or not. We'll see. <laughs> As I said, I'm still agnostic. Maybe Kale's going to have a baby. Maybe she's not. I, as you know, I've been doing these throwbacks. It's throwback week. And I have been wanting to dip my little toe back into Team Mom OG. Uh, We've been doing Team Mom 2 for what months now? And it's been super fun. But I was definitely this week like, I don't know if I feel like watching that. Like, it's good. I'm going to keep watching. I'm going to get back to it. But I was like, I think I want to dip my toe into OG. I've been seeing a lot of people be like, I want you to talk about Matt. And I was like, well, I want to talk about Matt. (laughs) I also want to talk about Matt because sometimes Matt feels like a real fever dream to me. It's actually insane. The craziest part about Matt is that he conned his way onto this show so simply, 
so easily. He ran havoc through Amber's life for, what, three years? And then he just disappeared. And he, like, truly just stopped posting on Instagram, stopped trying to get attention. Was he dating that girl from Love After Lockup who died? Was she from, she was from Love After Lockup, I think. She was on a show I watched. And I watched Love After Lockup. It wasn't, like, a 90-day, I'm pretty sure. I should watch Love After Lockup again. That show was fucking crazy. I think they have one now that's like love during lockup. I should I should touch base with that. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. So I think she wasn't her name Tracy. I think they were like dating. He was off Instagram for years. He popped up recently. It was a real jump scare when it came across my feed. But I find that so interesting because you would think that Matt would keep trying to be in the spotlight. But I think Matt is a true con man like a true, true con man. And he got what he needed out of Amber and the team mom fandom and realized that staying in the spotlight doesn't do anything to benefit him. And so he moved on. I think he's had multiple children since then. I believe he sexually assaulted another person, right? I think that came out. He's like just such a monster, but such an interesting on TV monster and just the way that he was able to so easily like put himself in Amber's life. I mean, at the episode that I'm about to talk about today, he has already proposed to her. They've been he remember the first time he came to visit Amber, he just never went home. And she finds out on camera that he no longer has an apartment in Boston or wherever he was supposedly living. And he lives with Amber now. He just never left. And then he proposed to her like a minute after meeting her. Because she was a mark. I mean, that's kind of the sad thing about Amber. I don't know if it's sad. It's it's hard. Because Amber is an abuser, and I do believe that to be true. But I also think that her vulnerabilities also make her very susceptible to, like, men that can target her for whatever reason. But then she abuses them. So I'm not really sure. Like, her and Matt... She definitely used to beat up Matt. Um, Remember, he would, like, post pictures of, like, scratches all over his face and shit. And then he'd be like, no, 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 no. That's an old picture. Oh, gosh. Um, But at this point in time, Amber and Matt are, like, happy and love engaged. So I was going to watch two episodes. And I was, like, scrolling around trying to pick which two. And then I watched one episode. And I was like, I think, actually, I just want to talk about this one. Because I feel like it's the perfect way to start talking about OG again. I also looked at the episode description for the next one, and in it, it says Tyler wants Kate to drop her pregnancy weight, and I was like, you know what? I'm actually, like, not... I don't want to talk about this week. I'm having a week in which, I like, I don't feel great about my own body. Like, I... <laughs> I I'm human. I don't want to talk about Caitlin's weight. I'm just not really that interested in doing that. Um, so, I'm maybe next week, I'll feel more like talking about it, or two weeks from now. But I found the perfect episode, and it is an episode in which the moms all go to New York to film, like, the first of the press for OG coming back. So we're in season five. I, of course, did not write down the exact episode number, because why would I do that? And let me get that for everybody so we can all follow along. Okay, we are in season five, episode eight. Let's set the scene. Remember, Teen Mom OG, which at the time was just called Teen Mom. I'm really glad that, honestly, that they gave it the name OG. 
do I like OG as a name? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But it is nice to be able to like distinguish the series, <laughs> the series a little easier. And it was difficult before. So Teen Mom, as we knew it, had gone off the air. We got the Bean specials. Amber went to prison. Amber did her prison special. And they were off the air for, what, two years? I should check exactly how long they were off the air. Wow. Okay. So the last episode of Teen Mom, Teen Mom Season 4, aired in August 2012. And then the first looks came back in April 2015. So they were off the air for almost three full years, which feels crazy. It doesn't feel that long in retrospect, but I guess makes sense because we know Amber did what, 17 months in prison, and she filmed her Bean special, like, as soon as she got out of prison, and that Bean special was out, like, a full year before Team Momochi came back. So, yeah, we have taken an extensive break. In the meantime, Macy had met Taylor. She is pregnant at the start of the series. By episode eight, she's about, I think, like, six months pregnant. Um, Amber is with Matt, as I said. She starts the season single. She wants to get back with Gary. Gary's with Christina. And then that ends because Matt pops up. Caitlin has just had little baby Nova Lee. She is in the depths of it. Uh, this episode, she seems fine. But this is when, like, the postpartum really starts ramping up. And I believe it's early in the next season in which she goes to treatment for the first time. And good old Farah, if you will remember, Farah was not originally asked back to OG. Now, it's interesting to think that this show thought that they could ever get away with just filming three people and just having three storylines. It's kind of crazy to me that they didn't cast a new fourth person, which is why I think they were probably always bring, planning on bringing Fair back and just wanted it to be dramatic because there's no way that they thought they could have a show with just Macy, Caitlin, and Amber. That's, and yes, at the time we didn't have five people in any of the cast, but only having the three of them is not enough material at all. So Farah comes back in like the third episode Macy stops filming for an episode and then she comes back with this agreement that Bentley is no longer going to be filmed and that's the way that she's going to be on this show so this episode everybody is going to New York to do the press for the new season they have not seen one another since probably the reunion in 2012 so it's been quite a while and I just realized I have not taken a break yet so I'm going to take a quick break and then we'll get into the episode oh also by the way if you want to listen to me on patreon you can go to patreon.com slash Liz explains this week I did an episode on wife swap we did the family that one of the kids ends up murdering the mom about eight years after it was filmed. It is fucking crazy to watch this episode knowing this woman is eventually murdered by her child. It is, it's truly surreal. I had not done an episode on Wife Swap before. I did one on Trading Spouses, the God Warrior episode, I believe, like many moons ago. And it was fun to revisit Wife Swap. Well, not fun because it's kind of dark. <laughs> 
But I kind of forgot that Wife Swap is actually a good show. I'm honestly surprised that Hulu has this episode like ready and available. I believe it's season four, episode 15. Um, They should take it down, probably. Honestly, they sh- they should take it down. It's just it's not that the episode is like that shocking. It's actually a very classic wife swap episode in that one of the families is super religious and the other one likes to party and yeah, it's classic in its material, but watching it knowing is really wild and it's definitely interesting to like try and work out how I'm feeling about the episode versus if I'm just looking at it through a lens of uh this woman ends up murdered by one of her children. <laughs> It's not funny. It's terrible. I believe this upcoming week I will be doing House of Carters with Princess as long as that doesn't fall through. If you don't know, Nick and Aaron Carter and their three sisters, I think their three sisters, had a reality show that per- that was on for one season in the late 2000s. That's truly one of the darkest things I've ever watched. Like, honestly, it is. it's really upsetting, especially considering two of them have now passed. Obviously, Aaron recently passed, but I'm pretty sure one of their sisters passed too, like a couple of years ago and maybe even several years ago at this point, like five or six years ago. It's been a while, but Nick is obviously like in the slump and that's interesting in itself because this is very clearly in that time where like it had not been long enough for the Backstreet Boys and the NSYNC people to like really get by on the nostalgia factor it was still pretty new and they were kind of just lame right like they were boy banders so there actually weren't that many opportunities for them to make money we know that a lot of these boy band guys got like totally fucked on money so people like nick carter needed to be making money so he agrees to do this reality show nick is also a very bad person. I mean, he beat the shit out of Paris Hilton. There are pictures of her covered in bruises. He is an accused rapist, but I don't know. Now he goes on tour with the Backstreet Boys and everybody loves it. They make so much fucking money. I think they have a Vegas residency at this point, right? Like Backstreet Boys have really figured out how to work on the nostalgia and how to make money off of millennial women who will go see these tours. Uh, But at this point in time, he doesn't have money. He's doing this show. Aaron already seems to be on meth. The sisters are a mess. Their mom is a mess. Literally, like, as soon as they get into the house, they are like, we fucking hate each other. <laughs> it's so wild. I've only watched three episodes. I mean, I watched it when it was on, but I haven't really rewatched it since. And I genuinely cannot believe that this was a show. I can't believe that Nick agreed to do this. Uh, just for, I mean, he could not have made that much money on it, you know? And yeah, it's really dark. So I'm looking forward to talking about that with Princess, who I love to talk about dark things with. I'm sure we will be talking at the very beginning about John and Kate plus eight because Colin Gosling did his first interview. I've had a lot of people ask if I would talk about it. And I don't think there's enough to do an episode. I've done multiple like Gosselin episodes. So I don't think there's enough in that interview to do a whole new episode. But of course, like we have to talk about it, you know, because Princess and I have to talk about the Goslings. So yes, that's patreon.com slash Liz Explains. There's also a ton of Sister Wives content on there. Sister Wives is going the fuck off this season. Even if you do not listen to my Patreon, just go watch Sister Wives. Just go watch it. 
Okay, with that said, with that little plug, also it's the best time of the month to sign up for Patreon because it like renews on the first. So you get a full month if you sign up now. Okay, let's chat about Teen Mom OG Season 5, Episode 8. I think that this is the perfect, like, let's dip our toe back in OG because this really sets the tone, in my opinion, for the future of the Team Mom franchises. Because at this point, this is like the first season, obviously, with the fourth wall breaking, which I think is genuinely innovative television. I think we should be giving MTV a lot of credit for doing this. It is the only way that this show works. It works so well. I want every reality TV to break the fourth wall. Every single one. Break it, break it, break it. Maybe not as much as like Teen Mom does, but I just cannot stand, like, especially on a show like The Housewives, like, we have to talk about the fact that we're on The Housewives. Like, it would make this all so much more organic if we just acknowledged what's going on here. I don't, I don't understand why we don't, but you know, such is life. It's kind of why Ultimate Girls Trip is good because the fourth wall's broken. And I don't really know why we can't take that format and put it on the rest of the shows. But this is the first time that the girls have like come together and had real drama. And I think MTV loved it. Obviously, on Next Chapter, it's all about the girls and their relationships with one another. And I personally think it's way too much. I also think it's like a really bad look on Team Mom Young and Pregnant uh, for Girls Night In, which I'm not watching, but I watch clips of. They have all the Young and Pregnant girls together and they're like fighting during their segments. And I'm like, this is not what I want to see, right? Like I, I'm not tuning into this to watch them fight. I want to watch like people be funny about commentary. But Young and Pregnant has a ton of drama with the cast. But up until this point, we have not really had like inner cast drama Because the girls only ever get together at reunions. They do not talk about one another on television. So it's kind of hard to like have drama mucked up in a way that makes sense to show on TV. Like for Team Mom 2 at this point, like Kaylin and Janelle had kind of had a falling out. Like there were issues, like things were not perfect, but they weren't really addressing it on TV because they couldn't have Kale talk about Janelle. Right? Like, Kale was at Leah, Kale and Javi were at Leah and Jeremy's wedding. And that wasn't on TV because, in the universe of the non fourth wall broken teen mom, Kale and Leah don't know each other. Um, so, this is the first time that MTV has really been able to make like inner cast drama. And I think MTV really liked it. Look, do I dislike watching all of the girls fight? No, like as a general rule, no. But as I talked about kind of recently, the fighting has just reached a level in which I don't think it's entertaining because there's no side to be on. And I dislike all of them to a point where it's like, well, what are we doing here? (laughs) Like, I don't care. I truly do not care if Ashley and Amber do not like each other. You know, like I like drama. I like drama as much as the next person. Look at the fucking shit I watch on TV. Oh, are you guys watching The Vow? I did not watch the Val- quick detour, quick detour. I did not watch the Val season one because I listened to the Nexium podcast and I was like, I cannot listen to Sarah talk about this fucking shit for another another season. There is nothing new to say. So I had tried to watch the first episode and was like, nope, can't do this. I saw everybody talking about the Val season two. 
I started to watch it. And I was like, once again, I'm kind of bored. I didn't finish the first episode. Then my friend Jesse was like, you must watch. I didn't like the first episode either. But by the second episode, I was hooked. So it's like, all right, cool. I'm going to jump into episode two. I watched five episodes last night. <laughs> Holy shit. I am obsessed with Nancy. I first of all, where's the documentary on the old lady sculpture that's in Nancy's home? What the fuck is that? Nancy, at least where I am through the end of episode five, um, Nancy does not have nearly enough guilt, in my opinion, for ruining her daughter's lives and the lives of thousands of people. Um, I want to know, did they really help people with Tourette's? Like, I have so many questions. The fact that Keith filmed himself doing everything is so interesting. Why are they always playing volleyball? That scene of Keith and um, Lauren Salzman, Nancy's daughter, talking about her weight, where she's like, he's like, so how much do you weigh? And she's like, uh, 111 and a half pounds. And he goes, mm. and she goes, but I'm trying to lose more. And he goes, uh-huh. Oh, my God. So fucked up. It's so fucked up. The Danny stuff in episode five. Never heard that before. That was crazy. Watching Sarah react to Lauren's testimony is really interesting because Sarah in the podcast, at least like her number one target is Lauren because that was like her best friend and she felt the most betrayed and hurt by Lauren. So watching her like process Lauren talk about her relationship with Keith is it's just so interesting. The Vow season two, I'm very, I'm very here for significantly better than the Vow season one, in my opinion, or what I watched the Vow season one. Uh, I would say that if you prefer podcasts, just listen to the Nexium podcast. It's well done. And I don't think you really need to watch the Vow season one. Okay, where were we? Oh, right. The fighting. I like drama, but I'm the Goldilocks of drama, as I've always said. There can't be too much or there can't be too little. And I do think the fighting between the moms is verging on the too much line. And MTV needs to reel it back because that's not what the show's about. It's never what it's been about. And when it gets to a certain level, I am just like, eh, I don't care anymore. I don't care anymore because it's, when there's too much fighting, it's hard to keep up. And when I'm not keeping up, I'm disinterested. But this episode is where MTV figured out we can have the girls interact if we're going to have the fourth wall broken. So we start out, we kind of like go home with everybody to see them getting ready for this. So Kate and Tyler have like truly the infant Nova, like she must be two months old in this episode. They're packing. They're like, oh, my God, we have to bring so much stuff. There is a tense moment of Kate saying she has nothing to wear. And Tyler's like, well, like she's like, I'm just I just had a baby. I have nothing to wear. Nothing fits. And Tyler's like, oh, just go to maternity store and get a dress. And she's like, I'm not going to maternity store. And he's like, well, no, I just mean like they probably have dressed or postpartum. And she's like, I'm just going to find something that fits. I'm like, oh, this isn't, this isn't great. This isn't great. Um, Amber has a little scene of tension with Gary because she calls Gary to pick up Leah from school and she wants to hang out with Leah for the whole day. But Gary insists that Leah just come right home after school. I was shocked because Amber went by herself to pick up Leah. I was I figured by this point in time, Matt had already like wormed himself into every aspect, not even wormed himself in. Because much like Janelle, being Amber's significant other is a full time job. Amber doesn't want to be alone, right? Like she wants somebody to be with her 24 seven. So I don't think her boyfriends have to like 
they don't have to worm themselves in. I think with open arms, Amber's like, I need you to be in every moment of my life. Like, where I am, you need to be. So I was pretty surprised to see her pick up Leah by herself. Leah is such a perfect little cutie. All the kids are six, I think, in this episode. They're in kindergarten. They're just super, super cute. She is upset about her, like, kind of lack of contact with Leah. And this is the beginning of Amber kind of falling out of Leah's life for quite a while, right? Okay, so Farah is in New York early because she and Simon are going to have some time in New York. Remember, Simon lives in San Diego. She lives in Texas. So they're doing that long distance thing. I forgot, like, how much Farah liked Simon. I, like, I think she really, really did like him. I think that Simon was a glimpse back into, like, a normal-ish life for her in a way that she liked. He was an asshole. He's an asshole to her in this episode. (laughs) She's an asshole to him in this episode. I, okay, I'm going to talk a lot about Farrah, (laughs) a lot about Farrah, but every time I don't watch her for a while, I forget how unlikable she is. And I know that my opinion of everything Farrah does is so deeply impacted by how much I dislike the way that she speaks to people. It it almost is at a point where it doesn't matter if she's right or wrong. Her behavior and her actions are so abhorrent to me and they they just put me off so badly that I can never be on her side. And I think I've always been like this with Farah. I don't like a person like Farah. I don't like a person who speaks in that tone of voice that she does. I don't like a person who's extremely passive aggressive. Uh, she has that like that mix of the person who is the most insecure person in the world. And so to compensate for that, she does this like fake ego thing. I really can't stand that. I can't stand how she talks down to people. And especially because it all comes from a place of insecurity. Like all of her nasty behavior comes from this really sad place. And watching this as a viewer, I I can kind of step back and be like, I see why she's doing all of this. But in real life, I would not be able to fucking stand Farah. I I could never. I just I couldn't. I I just find the way that she talks to everybody to be unbearable. I a thing to know about me is I like really do not like rude people. I I just like manners are so important. And I think the way that you speak to people is so important and the tone of voice that you use is so important. And the way that Farrah speaks, I like I cannot imagine like being out in public with her and listening to her like speak to a service worker and that voice that she does or ugh, I just couldn't deal with it. And as I'm watching this, it's funny because a lot of this I'm like on Farrah's side but Macy, and you guys know I don't like Macy really very much. Macy is so much more likable that it's easy to be on Macy's side. And this definitely colors Farrah for the rest of the time that she's on this show. I think that this is also having an impact like on the Ashley of it all right now. It Ashley just like is not that likable because of the way that she treats other people. So even if people are being mean to her, I'm like kind of not on her side because I'm like, well, I just don't like how she talks to people. And that's how I feel with Farrah. So Farrah and Simon are like in New York talking about marriage because 
Fair is still pretending like she's obsessed with marriage at this point, and she does not know, supposedly, why she was not on the show immediately. So Macy has a very silly moment. (laughs) Her episode starts where she's like, tells Taylor that she's dropped out of school. I forgot that she was like still pretending to go to school at this point. Remember when every single season Macy's storyline was starting school and dropping out? (laughs) And she's like, so Taylor, like I'm going to New York. Do you want to come with me? And I'm like, that's your living partner. (laughs) You're pregnant with his child. I really hate when they still do these very silly, like, prompted questions that are so unnatural because I feel like with the fourth wall breaking, they could have so easily had a producer be like, Taylor, are you going to New York too? And he could have said exactly what he said to Macy, which is probably not for the most of it because I have to work because at this point, Taylor still had a job. Remember Taylor had a job for a while? It is kind of crazy to think about any of these people having jobs. Because in reality, like, it does get in the way of stuff. Like, it is hard to work a job and film a TV show because Taylor should be able to take off and go to New York for a week like Tyler can. (laughs) Tyler's job is being Tyler from Teen Mom. And Taylor hasn't quite reached that at this point. So he says he's going to come for a little bit. They do have a moment where they're talking about the cast and she's like, well, you know, Amber's going to be there. I heard Amber got engaged. And Taylor goes, oh, we're the only people on the planet not engaged. <laughs> Remember how long he made Macy wait to get engaged? <laughs> A really long time, honestly. Like, remember how desperate she was to get engaged? Oh, my God. They're not sure what Farrah knows. And this is where Macy starts to get on my nerves. Because Macy won't just take accountability for what she did and said. And Macy is saying shit like, I have nothing against Farah, but she's not going to see it that way. No shit, Macy. No shit. Farah's not going to see it that you don't have anything against her except you fucking quit the show when she came back and you supposedly refused to do the show in the first place if she was going to be included. But you have nothing against Farah? That doesn't make any fucking sense. It doesn't make any sense. And she keeps kind of bringing it back to like, well, it's not fair. That's the issue. It's the porn. And I know I'm controversial for this. I actually have always understood Macy's position on this. And they get into a little, little later. What did I just say? They get a little, little into it. <laughs> they get into it a little later in the episode. But you have to remember at the time that teen mom went off the air macy was making her career her living off of being a speaker at like college campuses she would go to different college campuses and give her abstinence only education talks with the candy foundation (laughs) and she was doing this as macy from mtv's teen mom like that was her brand and when farrah did her porn and it was called back door teen mom that really fucked with the brand of teen mom and macy felt like it was fucking with her money and i get that and we can pretend all we want that sex work is the same as every other work but it's not in our society and pretending that way doesn't make it not that way you know what i like just because we don't want it to be stigmatized doesn't mean it isn't and especially i mean This is like 10 years ago at this point that the porn came out. 
Isn't that crazy? Oh my God, we're so old. Holy shit. We are so old. Oh my God. Um, But yeah, I like, I don't know. I get it. Do I think Macy handles this well? No. Do I think it makes total sense that Macy didn't want to be on this show if Farrah was on this show because Amber's on this show? No. And I see this brought up a lot, right? Like, why was Macy okay with Amber with and not with Farrah? And I, I think it's a fair question, but I don't think it's a very, it makes sense in, like, in context. Because the reality is, is that doing porn is, like, one of the most stigmatized things that you can do in society. Things have definitely changed a little, a teeny tiny bit, right? OnlyFans has kind of changed things. We've move forward as society when it comes to sex work. Things have changed a little, a little, a tiny little bit, but that's it. And porn is, especially the type of porn Farrah did, guys, she did anal porn. Like, doing anal porn is as low as you can get as far as the way that we treat people in society, right? Amber beat the shit out of her partner on television and then went to jail for drug addiction. And those are very, very bad. And we don't like them either as a society. But here's the thing. By the time the show comes back, Amber has done her time. She is saying she's different. She is successfully on probation. She has not done anything wrong, so to speak. She's in recovery, right? I'm using quotation marks around all of this. <laughs> but by all appearances, like Amber really is in a very different place. Although it's funny because Amber is the reason the show got canceled in the first place. Like not Farrah. Farrah didn't do that porn until after the show went off the air. The show went off the air because Amber went to prison. And you would think that Macy would hold a lot more grudge towards that. But I can see Macy stepping back and being like, okay, Amber went to prison, but she's out now. She's sober. She's doing well. She's written this book. She's really turned shit around. Actually, I think she's might be good for the brand. But Farah is so bad for this brand. Farah used the name Teen Mom to sell her porn, and I don't like that. I just don't like that Macy won't be honest about it because she turns it into this thing of like, well, I don't want Bentley on the show with a porn star. And it's like, okay. I mean, I guess she's like, kids already say stuff to him about being on TV. I'm like, so maybe stop putting your kid on TV. Maybe don't have your kid on TV. And like this idea that Bentley's not going to film anymore that lasted for what, a half a season? <laughs> I don't know. I just don't think Macy's insistence that Farrah should should not be on the show is that bad. I cannot stand Macy not standing in her truth. I just, I cannot stand it. She should say straight to Farrah, yeah, I didn't want you on this show because porn is bad for our brand. Full stop. And this is how I make a living. And like, if she would just say with that, like, you're fucking with my bag, I actually think Farah might have reacted a little better, um, but still not well. I'm going to get into like all of their interactions because I want to talk about the way that Farah is absolutely melting down in a way that it's it's honestly sad to watch. And it's weird because, as I said, all of Farah's behavior in this episode infuriates me. But I can see past that and it makes me really sad. Like I can see her intentions and I can see how her moods shift depending on what is said. And it it makes me sad. 
Okay, so everybody gets to New York and Macy is really nervous because she's just like not sure what anybody knows. But they're all together. It's going fine. They're taking group pics. Farrah's in her businesswoman special. (laughs) This is like the height of the, well, I guess it's kind of like the end of the business casual. So like half of them are in blazers. (laughs) They all look very silly. And Farrah leaves the room and the producers are like, the trailer's out. (laughs) So shady. It's so, this is all so clearly production based. And that's also the other thing. If Macy wasn't such a pussy, she would have walked in and the first thing she would have done is, Farrah, can I talk to you? Because Macy is not an idiot. She had to know that this would be coming out if Farrah did not already know. And if Macy was a big girl, She would have pulled Farrah aside and been like, hey, uh, I'm not really sure what MTV's told you, but I do want you to know that when I was told you were coming back on the show, I quit for a little bit. I've since changed my mind, but it's because I don't really want to be associated with porn. Like, just say it. Just say it straight up. It's also like, it's not an unreasonable position for someone to not want to be associated with porn. It's not a position I personally, me, Elizabeth Bentley, agrees with. But it is a position that's pretty reasonable in the context of our society, right? Like, in the greater context of our extremely misogynistic, patriarchal society, it's not an unreasonable position. I might judge Macy's position, but I think most people would probably be on her side. When I bet most people were probably on her side. But instead of doing that, Macy like putters around and she's like, I don't know what Farrah knows. I'm not sure what Farrah knows and is acting fake to her. <laughs> like she is. She's acting very fake and acting like there's not like this big elephant in the room that Farrah just hasn't found out. Macy should have been smart enough to know that this was going to cause a fight. But I guess... I guess from Macy's perspective is that she knows that Farrah is so unreasonable that it doesn't matter how you go to Farrah and talk to her about it. And I I do think that's a big Farrah issue is that if you are an extremely unreasonable people, if you are an extremely unreasonable person, people are always going to treat you that way, even if it's kind of unfair. And they're going to assume you're going to react badly. So they act accordingly. Right. So Macy's, I bet Macy's like, well, it's not even worth approaching her because she's going to find out eventually. And whether she hears it from me or producer, she's going to be fucking crazy. And I don't want to deal with that. Which is not, it it makes sense, right? Like, it's not incorrect. I don't think Farrah would have reacted well. I, re- I don't because Farrah hates that she's a porn star and any like outside validation of somebody saying you are a porn star shuts her down immediately. And once Farrah shut down, she cannot react rationally in any way, shape or form. So they all well, like Macy, Amber and Kate watch the trailer together. And of course, it's the Farrah is not coming back. Macy quits. It's all of that shit. And Macy's like, uh ooh. <laughs> so they all do interviews and Farrah's last to go. So the rest of the girls are back at the hotel. And Farrah is like doing her interview. And this is when we see Tyler, Macy, Amber talking about Farrah. And Macy's like, you know, Bentley's into kindergarten. Kids are going to make it an issue. Amber's like, look, I can't judge about any of this. Like, I have done just as bad stuff. And Tyler is like, but listen, 
this, you like were addicted. That's, that's different. And I'm like, I guess. Amber says, well, you know, when I was at the height of my addiction, Vivid did approach me and offer me $500,000 for a sex tape. And I, I did say no. <laughs> Basically being like, even at the height of my most desperate moments, I wasn't as desperate as Farah. I mean, you are being judgmental, Amber. You say you're not being judgmental. And then a minute later, you're being judgmental. And this is what Macy straight up says. The issue is that they had the Teen Mom title attached to it. That's an issue. Oh, well, Tyler says, he says, there's no shame in being in porn, but unfortunately, the rest of us are attached to it, which I do think Tyler thinks there's shame in porn, for sure. I definitely think he thinks that. But I I also agree, like, it is unfortunate that the rest of them get attached to this choice that they did not make. But also at the same time, it's like, okay, so quit the show. You don't have to be on this show. Why do you need to be on this show? If you don't want to be attached to something that's happening on the show, you can leave. And clearly none of them care that much. So Macy then says, you know, it's especially unfortunate because the teen mom title was with it. And I think I think that's fair. Tyler says, you know, the first thing that comes up when you Google teen mom is fair as porn. Once again, that's a very fair criticism of the situation. Um. Matt is like, do you think Farrah regrets it? And Tyler says, yeah, I definitely think so. And he's like, you know, how much money is it worth it to sell your dignity? Oh, God. And there we have it, folks. On one hand, Tyler, at the beginning of this conversation, conversation says that there's no shame in doing porn. Then he finishes the conversation by asking uh, how much it takes to sell your dignity, implying that you cannot have any dignity if you do porn. So which is it? You know, which is it? Like, clearly, you think it's bad. <laughs> like, stop pretending. That's another thing. Like, I wish they would stop pussyfooting around it and being like, oh, well, we don't judge it. They should just be like, no, we think it's gross that she did porn. We think it's gross. We think it's gross. We don't like it. We don't like that she did anal porn and that she went on a tour promoting it and we don't like anything about it. At least that would be honest. <laughs> At least they'd be being honest. It's this like, well, we that I, I cannot stand. And I'm sure Farrah can't stand it either. So we're watching Farrah do her little interview. And producer shows her a clip of Macy quitting. And Farrah shuts down. And it's definitely interesting to watch this. Because this whole time, she has been like really good, right? This whole time they've been in New York. She was laughing with the cast. She was talking to them. Everything was going fine. Everybody was getting along. She's being really, like, receptive to producers and doing everything they ask her to do. And the minute she sees this, she just completely shuts down. She's like, I don't want to talk about that. And Larry's like, well, you need to talk about it. (laughs) Like, that's what we're doing here, girl. You're going to talk about it. This makes me really sad to watch. And I've always felt sad about this because at least at the time I think I don't know how she feels about it now because Fair is a sex worker now like fully right like she as from what I know she's does escorting she does full service sex work like that that is her career now which is her career that's fine um but at the time she did not want it to be her career And one of the most fascinating things to ever happen in reality TV history is watching Farah 
deny everything about this porn, right? Remember, she didn't do a porn. She had a celebrity sex tape leak. Uh, But why were you with James Dean, who's a famous porn star? Because he was my boyfriend. We had a relationship. Okay, but why does James Dean say he met you one single time before you filmed that and it was in the Vivid Entertainment offices? Ferris says that's not true. Okay. Uh, So you had a professional crew for your celebrity sex tape? There was no crew. Okay, so why are there multiple angles? Why are there people zooming in? <laughs> like, everything about this, she has always, always, always lied about this. And it's because she's so ashamed of it. And it's sad because I think that she didn't quite understand what she was doing. I really don't. I think Farah is an extremely immature person. I don't think Farah is very smart. And I don't think Farah had anybody around her that was helping her make good choices. I think the show had been off the air for a little bit of time, what, like six months to a year. She quickly looked around and realized she didn't have any money. Remember, this is pre-Instagram influencing. It's crazy how different Farah's life could have been if Instagram influencing was around at this time and she could have just been hawking fit tea. Like, we didn't have SpawnCon yet at that point, which is crazy to think we ever lived in a world before it. But there were not a lot of opportunities for someone like Farrah to make money. And remember, Farrah was never the beloved cast member of Teen Mom. She was never really liked by the audience. Um, People hated the way she talked to her parents. They hated the way she talked to Sophia. She's not a likable person in general, as I was saying. So she's not doing the candy speaking tour that Caitlin's or that Macy's doing. She's not doing obviously the pro-life. Well, not obviously, but she's not doing the pro-life speaking tour that Caitlin and Tyler are doing at that time. Amber is just fucking around. (laughs) But Pharaoh wants to make money. She wants to be famous. She wants to be successful. And she gets approached by Vivid or however it happens. Her dad is advising her to do it, which is crazy. And I'm not sure Farah had the full capability of understanding what she was doing. Remember, she was 21 when this was happening. Was she even 21? They are very young in season five, by the way, when this comes back. They're still, what, 24? Like, they're they're young. They're, it's not like they're in their 30s. She was in a pretty vulnerable position. Uh, Vivid offered her probably more money than she had ever seen in her life. And she was like, okay, I'll do it. I think that she did not understand the way that it would be recepted, which is recepted, received. (laughs) I don't think recepted is a word that way. How people would receive this porn. I genuinely think that she thought she wouldn't be treated like a porn star. I really do. I think that in her head, she was like, well, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get my name back in the press. I'll get some in, some coverage. I'll get on magazines and everything will be fine. And suddenly she's a porn star and she didn't realize how much shame she would have around that, I think, is the issue. And then she spends the next few years in this weird in-between where she's absolutely denying she ever did a porn, but going on a promo tour for it working in strip clubs, making sex toys, like living as if she was in the porn industry, 
but still denying that she was in a porn, which to me is infuriating. I can't, I cannot fucking stand that. It is one of the most infuriating things about Farah that she was doing it for so long is so fucking annoying, but she's doing it out of like this deep sense of shame. And it's so clear she feels this deep sense of shame. And I'm kind of wondering if she thought she would come back on the show and all of that would go behind her, right? Like they probably got a pretty good paycheck for season five when they signed on I bet three hundred thousand dollars or something you know like they got because they're at like six hundred thousand dollars now so they probably got a pretty good paycheck to come back and she's like okay cool I don't have to do any of that sex work stuff anymore and I never want to talk about it again and I don't want it to have anything to do with me and she's in this little box doing these little interviews and is hit right in the face that Actually, everything's going to be about this. This whole season's going to be about her porn. And even though she doesn't want it to be, it is. And that's why she basically shuts down in this moment. And Larry's like, but you you need to talk about it. You need to talk about why you weren't included from the start. And Fair goes, I don't know, maybe because MTV thought I was a porn star. Yeah, may- maybe. <laughs> Maybe that is why, Farah. Oh, gosh. Farah is like, you know what? I'm not wasting my energy on this negativity. Farah doing her famous negativity thing. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, We get a scene of Macy. Basically, that ends. It's all shut down. Farah's like, I'm not doing this. Macy goes out to lunch with some friends who are in New York, and they talk about it. And basically, she's like, well, I want to talk to Farah, but I don't. I just don't think I can have a conversation with Farah. Like, I don't think she can have a conversation with anybody. And I think Macy's right. <laughs> I don't think Macy's wrong. So the next day, Farah is talking to Heather, Heather, the producer. And she, she is so, Farah is so upset. She's hurt. She's embarrassed. She's mad. And she refuses to say any of that out loud. Instead, she's going to do her, I'm fine. (laughs) Why do you think I'm not fine? Just because I said you should fucking kill yourself doesn't mean I'm not happy right now. She's doing that thing that she does. And she starts talking about Macy and she goes, you know what? (laughs) I'm in a different place. Macy is clearly still in the place that she was six years ago, but I, I've moved on. And Heather's like, so are you offended by what Macy said? And Farrah goes, (laughs) why would I be offended? I just don't want to deal with that fucking fake fucked up person. (laughs) I'm sorry, but when Farrah's in these like things where she is saying and doing like exact opposites where she's like, why did you think I'm mad? As she's like punching someone in the face. She's like, I'm not mad. Why would you say that I'm mad? Why would you say that? (laughs) She's burning down your house and she's like, I'm not really sure why you think I'm upset. (laughs) Then she goes on to say, it's not about porn, 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 porn. If I was a porn person, I'd have a porn name like, I don't know, Candy Mellow featuring maybe her ex-boyfriend, Ryan, who probably looks at my back door. Okay. (laughs) Candy Mellow. (laughs) So funny. The fact that she brings up Ryan. Also, I'm pretty sure Ryan did admit to watching the porn. I'm pretty sure that comes up like earlier in the season. Oh, gosh. 
Farrah says that she's going to ask Macy for America why Macy is there. <laughs> I guess this is the start of Farrah always talking about America. <laughs> God bless America. <laughs> she's so funny. Oh, my God. So she's really pissed and she's like, you know, it must be hard to be so fucking fake. She must really need the money. And it's like, well, yeah, she probably does need the money. So a little later, we're seeing some of the other girls and Amber thinks Macy and Farrah just need to sit down and talk directly. And once again, Macy's like, I just don't think that's going to happen. So they split to do press. Kate and Farrah are together and Macy and Amber are together. And the press lady, they're with OK Magazine, and it, like, has some bloopers. They're like, it's me from Teen Mom and where? Like, doing that type of setup stuff. And the OK Magazine lady says, Farrah, like, we know that you weren't on from the beginning. Do you know when you're going to come on? A totally innocent question. And she goes, I don't know. Maybe you can ask the editors. Like, and this is what I mean by I can't fucking stand Farrah, because that woman is doing her fucking job. All right? She did not ask anything anything rude to Farah. She asks the number one question that's going to be asked to Farah that whole season anytime she does press, which is when do you join the show? Why did you join the show late? Like all of the questions are going to be around that. And Farah is being such an unnecessary bitch. This woman just trying to do her job. And the lady's like, well, I mean, basically being like, so how does it feel to come on late? And she's like, I don't know. I just don't know about that. Just being awful. So everybody's eating lunch. Um, Farrah's actually in a better mood. She's talking to Amber and Matt. And she's like, so do you get along with Gary? And Matt says he does. And they're all just, you know, like kind of going back and forth and laughing. And she seems really relaxed. And so Macy decides to come in and like get her lunch. Like they're in MTV studios, I think. And they have like a, you know, a catered lunch. And so Macy comes in and all of a sudden the tone shifts. And Farrah, Macy gets her food. She sits down and Macy just goes, or Farrah goes, hey, Macy, why are you here? <laughs> Macy's like, um, well, and Farrah goes, I think you should not be here because nobody needs you here. <laughs> Which is, it's so, <laughs> it makes no sense. Farrah's never been able to make sense when she's flustered and upset. She has just escalated the situation beyond what it needs to be. She then starts yelling at Macy, bye-bye, bye, leave now. And Macy is like, Macy has this look on her face, like, does everybody else see what's going on? And Macy, this is where Macy is smart. Macy doesn't need to say shit. Farrah is going to make herself look bad all on, all on her own. And I think Macy knows that. Macy is like, for Macy to engage with Farrah would be idiotic because First of all, it's like not Macy's personality, right? Like she, I don't think is good at conflict. We don't see her have conflict very often. She doesn't fight and yell. Like that's just not her. But the person that fights with Farah is always just going to look crazy. We see it happen with Amber later when, oh, maybe I should watch that episode next. The reunion fight with Simon and Matt and <laughs> Farah's dad <laughs> when <laughs> he gets pushed. <laughs> Oh, violence is bad. Whatever. I don't really care if some fucking people on a reality TV show want to fight on the reunion stage. <laughs> I think maybe I will watch that episode next. That's so funny. But Amber looks crazy in it because Farrah's crazy and you can't fight with crazy. You just can't. 
You're never going to look good. But if you sit there and you let Farah run her mouth, you look normal and she looks nutty. And that's absolutely how this fight is coming across. And honestly, like, Macy hasn't done anything to her this trip. She really hasn't. Farrah's hurt and her feelings are hurt and they're reasonably hurt. But the way that Farrah is behaving here is so unnecessary and so out of left field for everybody else's behavior during the day. So Macy's like, Farrah's yelling at her, you need to leave. And Macy's like, uh, well, if my boss told me to leave, I would. And then Farrah starts screaming, my life is not about porn. I have a child too and I see her every day and it doesn't affect her. And Macy's like, Farrah, that's fine. Like we can have different parenting styles. Then Farrah says something that makes me really sad. Like really, really sad. She's like, you know, Bentley doesn't even bring up my name. I guarantee you he doesn't bring up my name. And the last time I saw Bentley, you know what? He did know me and he really liked me. And I was like, Oh, Farrah's hurt that this three-year-old child that she liked is now six and not allowed to be on the show with her. That's tough. And I get, I get why Farrah's hurt. It's not unreasonable for her to feel hurt. She has really valid reasons to have hurt feelings. Farrah just has absolutely no social skills and never has had any social skills and does not know how to navigate any situation in which she is the slightest bit aggravated and it turns into this. So Macy's like, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what you're saying. I don't need to apologize. I didn't do anything wrong and I'm not going to change what I think is right for my son. And that's also where Macy loses me. Although I do get why in that moment she's like, I'm not apologizing to you because you're acting like a fucking maniac. But I do think Macy could have been like, hey, I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings. I Like, I would feel hurt too. She doesn't need to be like, I'm sorry for everything I did. But I think that if you just acknowledge that you hurt Ferris' feelings, it would go a really long way. And I think to go super deep, I think this all has to do with her parents because I think her entire life, anytime her parents hurt her, which was constantly, they would then tell her they didn't do that. Right? Like, I think Farrah had a childhood of being abused by her parents. And then when she's like, you hurt my feelings, Deb or Michael being like, I didn't hurt your feelings. Why are you saying that? That didn't happen. Like, when my dad used to scream at me and I'd be like, stop screaming at me. And he would scream that I'm not yelling at you. Like, that type of shit. Like, that fucks with you. And I don't think Farrah, to this point, I mean, maybe still currently, has ever really had anybody in her life who's just like, hey, yeah. I'm really sorry that I hurt your feelings. Like, I I didn't mean to, but if roles were reversed, my feelings would be hurt too. Like, Macy could so easily be like, I still don't want my son on here because I don't want him to be associated with porn. And I know that hurts your feelings. I'm really sorry that hurts your feelings. That is what it is. But going forward, the two of us can be in a different place. And I don't want you to feel like I don't like you because it's not about you personally. And is that like kind of bullshit? Sure. But I really think, Farah, if you just said sorry to Farah, it would go a really long way. Because I think Farah is constantly on the attack because she feels like nobody believes her about anything. Anything, any emotion she has. So she's in this like constant need to be like showing to everybody and proving to everybody the point. But it doesn't work because she is the way that she does it just makes everybody even more like put out. 
So Macy then says, like, you know, like, I didn't, I just didn't mean to hurt her feelings. Fair is like, Macy, do you even know what's right for yourself? <laughs> Macy's like, what? <laughs> Macy's trying to talk and Farrah is just yelling at her and then she gets up and screams, she shouldn't be here. A producer gets them to both go into a room and talk. So they're sitting down and Macy's like, I want to clear up the truth, but I don't want to argue. And Farrah goes, okay. And the producer's like, so can you guys do that? Can you listen without arguing? And they both agree. And Fair goes, can you please explain to me, you know, the subject of what you said? And Macy's like, which which parts, Farrah? And Fair goes, all parts. And Macy's like, Fair goes, I don't know how you rationale things in your brain. And Macy's like, okay, it's okay if you don't agree with me, but like, I'm not doing this. And this is what I mean. And she's right. There is no, Farrah does not want to have a conversation with her. It's too late. They've hit this point where Farrah cannot return from. And they hit that by Macy not talking to her immediately as soon as they got there, I think. And I think the real issue is that Farrah felt caught off guard and Farrah does not like to feel caught off guard. So Farrah has a little grin on her face and she's like, "Mm -hmm." so she didn't even want to explain. (laughs) Oh, my God. Macy goes to talk to Caitlin and Tyler, and she's like, yeah, that didn't happen. I have better conversations with Bentley. And Macy's like, you know, like, Farrah has issues, because no matter what Farrah says to me, she couldn't piss me off like that. And I'm like, well, she did make you quit the show for a minute and pull your son off TV. So I think she actually does make you upset. I think she does. So a little bit later, Matt, Amber, Kate, and Macy are eating pizza and they're talking about filming the after show and like what they have to do for the rest of this press tour. And <laughs> they're talking about Farah, and Farah tweeted the funniest <laughs> insult. <laughs> I totally forgot about this. I was laughing so hard. Farah tweeted this. Look at covers as you collect them. Actions speak louder than words. Why aren't there more children on the covers? True story, MTV. (laughs) She's talking (laughs) about the fact that she's the only one of them that had her child on the cover of her book. (laughs) Which, by the way, is really funny because the book is called My Teenage Dream Ended. And she's just like standing there smiling with Sophia. (laughs) But she's talking about the whole cast. And all the girls are like, what? Amber says, you know, Boo Boo, which, by the way, I don't care that Amber has nicknames for her kids, but I've always found it weird that she uses them, like, outside of the home to other people. Like, it's one thing to call your daughter Boo Boo. It's another thing while you're having a conversation with other people to be like, Boo Boo says. It's kind of weird. It's not, like, bad. Like, there's nothing inherently bad about it. It's just weird. Amber says, Boo Boo is six years old and she doesn't have a choice or not if she wants to be on the cover of a book, especially a book talking about sex and drugs. I didn't, I was like, I didn't quite follow that first half. But what she's saying is like that book was not appropriate for Leah to be on the cover of. And Amber's like, you know, I don't like this. I have no problems with Farrah. I've never bashed Farrah. I don't really get why she's doing this. And Kate's like, because Farrah's mean. She's just a mean person. And Remember, Kate and Tyler and Farah like, went back and forth when they did that VH1 
couples therapy reunion. They had some beef. They all say it's been quashed. Caitlin and Tyler have no issue with Farrah being on the show. But Kate's right. Farrah's mean. And that's what it comes down to. Farrah is a mean person. Now, can I, as an outsider, understand why Farrah's mean and kind of pick apart all the time that she's being mean and get why she's behaving the way that she's behaving? Yes, but that doesn't change the fact that she's being mean to people that didn't do anything to her and that have actually been like, yeah, we support Farrah on the show. We want Farrah on the show. We want to be good with Farrah. But Farrah can't help herself because she's mean. Uh, Matt's like, well, you know, I guess like you just have to give it up for Farrah. Like she doesn't care and she's just unapologetically herself. And they're all like, uh, Farrah deeply cares. So it's the next day and they're doing after show segments. And the first segment is supposed to be Macy and Farrah. And Farrah's on stage and Macy's like, I'm not going out there. And you know what? I'm on Macy's side with this. It it doesn't make any sense. It's just going to be a fight. Macy, remember, through this whole thing is six months pregnant. Like, she's heavily pregnant. And she's like, no, I'm not doing that. And I was like, yeah, that's correct. They tried to sit down. It's not going to work. It's there's no reason for it. She's not refusing to be on stage with Farah because she's like, I'll go on stage. I just don't want it to be just me and Farah, which I think is a totally fair compromise, right? Like she's not refusing to participate. She's not pulling a kale where she has to like film from somewhere else. She's just being like, it doesn't make any fucking sense for us to go out there, just the two of us. And she's right. Uh, she agrees that they'll all go out Um if all four of them are on the couch, which is, I think, good. So all four of them are out there and Nessa, Nessa's there with like a crazy undercut. Her hair looks awful, actually. <laughs> I'm like, Nessa has had a real glow up. Uh, Bear says, you know, I've just had enough of the BS. And Macy's like, I just like, I can't have a conversation or an argument even with Farah because she won't be like, she won't hear me. And she talks to me like I'm a dog. Mm- Yep. And Nessa's like, Farrah, can you hear Mary out? Mary, can you hear Macy out? And in the nastiest voice, Farrah goes, <laughs> sure, go ahead and talk. <laughs> and Macy just goes, that's my point. <laughs> and look, do I think Macy is like a real fucking hypocrite and makes a lot of missteps? And I have a lot of issues with Macy, but like I'm firmly on her side through most of this because she's being she's correct. She is correct in everything that she's saying about Farah. Farah's like, you know, I just don't want to judge anyone's life. And Kate's like, so why did you tweet about all of us not putting our kids on our book covers? And Farah goes, it's because I see it. And I think, wow, I should really give thanks back to Sophia because she's the reason that I'm on the show and wrote the book and can continually open my eyes every day. (laughs) And Amber's like, okay, but like, that's your opinion. That's your decision to have Sophia on the cover that doesn't like mean anything about us. Amber says that it's a slap in the face for Farrah to tweet that. And Amber like turns to her. Amber's being so reasonable throughout this whole thing. She's not talking shit about Farrah. She's being really understanding during this little conversation. She they're sitting like furthest from Nessa is Farrah, then Amber, then Kate, then Macy. And Farrah turns her body so that she's looking at Farrah and being so fucking calm. And she's like, it just feels like it just feels like you're saying I'm not a good mom. And Farrah's like, I'm not saying that. I didn't say that. And Amber's like, no, you're right. You didn't. I'm telling you how it makes me feel. And I get if maybe that's not what you were trying to say, but that's just how it felt. 
And Farrah's like, well, I don't I don't know what to say about that. I didn't even say any of their names. And Amber's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you this is when you can kind of see Amber start. And in the words of Summerhouse, Amber starts to activate here. Amber is being so calm, cool, collected. She's giving Farrah so much benefit of the doubt. She's allowing Farrah to talk. She's allowing Farrah to like defend herself. And Farrah just won't because that's not what Farrah does, right? Like Farrah doesn't have rational conversations in these situations because once Farrah is activated, which she's been since 20 minutes after getting there or whatever, that's it. That's done. She can't do anything else. She gets such tunnel vision, she can't have any sort of normal conversation. So Amber's like, you know, okay, so you didn't say us, but you were talking about us. And it's really passive aggressive. And Farrah's like, there's no passive aggressive. I noticed something, so I tweeted about it. And Amber's like, okay, but you're still attacking us through social media. It doesn't matter if you put names on it. And Caitlin's like, it hurt my feelings. It did. Like, I'm telling you it hurt my feelings. And Amber's like, yeah, me too, because I thought we were fine. I thought you and I were getting along. And then I see that. And Farrah, like, sits there blank, like, blank. She, there is no host in the body. Like, she has checked out. And Amber's like, you know what? Actually, this is where I shut up. That's the end of this for me. I'm, nope, nope, I'm done. And I was like, Amber's in a good place. <laughs> The bar is truly in hell for Amber that I'm like, she handled this really well. She stood up for herself. She gave Farrah a chance to talk. When she felt herself getting mad, she stopped. I mean, Amber rarely does that. So credit where credit is due for Ambie. Caitlin says, you know, I just think it's sad. Listen, we shouldn't be fighting. We've been through a lot of shit. Just the four of us, you know, only the four of us have been through it. We've all been there for each other. And I just want us to be able to, like, listen to each other. And even if we don't get along, like, it's okay. We just don't have to, like, behave like this. And Fair is just like, mm-hmm. And that's where the episode ends. <laughs> this was so fun. I forgot how much I like Farrah in these small doses. Like, I don't think I can go back to recapping Team OG every other week. Like, I don't. I don't think I'm going to stick with OG the way that I was doing with Team Mom 2 and like consecutively go back through episodes. But I do want to jump in and out of these OG episodes because it's funny and fair is funny. And also, I wanted to talk about Matt, but this didn't end up being a Matt heavy episode. So we will be getting to Matt in the future. But yes, with that, that's it for this week. I hope everybody's a nice week. Patreon.com slash Liz Explains and donate to Operation Santa if you can. Okay. Kiss, kiss. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.